In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Trump's trip to Georgia hasn't yet helped David Perdue. Brian Kemp is a turncoat, he's a coward, and he's a complete and total disaster. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This is the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm Greg Bluestein here with co-host Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the political insiders here at the AJC. New episodes of this podcast come out every Wednesday and Friday, so this is our weekly recap show. And Patricia, there's a lot to talk about. How was your week? Oh, it was awesome. I got to get out on the campaign trail after Sine die. So all is good. It feels like, you know, like school's out for summer. It's feel it's a good feeling. Well, school is out for at least some kids on spring break, my one of my kids included. But yes, I joined you on the campaign trail and also at Sine die until whatever the time. When did you leave? I left at two. You I, I think you I left, left a little it, closer to me. I left at one because I had to get up at three. 30. So you didn't go to sleep. So <laughs> I did go to sleep. I ate some pita chips <laughs> and then I went to sleep. Yes, oh, man. I did for a little I, bit, and but it was fine. It was good. Yeah, I had lots I of material, sleep, which is the best. If I have to go to sleep just for two hours, I, I might as well not even sleep. I'll, I'll be even groggier. That's just me. Um, we're a reminder that if this is your first time listening to us, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Coming up later. We're going to dig into Herschel Walker and how he's completely ignoring his rivals ahead of the May 24th primary. But first, we have a very important question from the former president of the United States. Has a poll come out since I left? Because we had a great rally in Georgia. Yeah, it'll be interesting, John, to see what the poll says, what the polls say after the rally. Uh, well, Mr. Trump, we do have new polls and the news is not good for your favorite candidate, David Perdue. A poll from Emerson College and The Hill, commissioned by Nexstar, came out just a few days ago. It was conducted after Donald Trump's visit. And again, it was not good news for David Perdue. Patricia, it showed the former U.S. senator down by double digits trailing Governor Kemp. Not exactly what he wanted to see in this crucial period just before early voting is set to begin. No, the big question for David Perdue that we all had was once all of the Republicans start to know that Donald Trump has endorsed David Perdue. Um, and there were, you know, weeks ago, still m- many Republicans who still did not seem to know that, according to our polling. Once they knew that he had endorsed 
David Perdue. Would that bring a critical mass over to David Perdue away from Brian Kemp so that this would become a seriously competitive race? Um, they worked to get Vernon Jones out of the race so that it could be a kind of mono a mono. Um, however, even with that rally, even with ads saying, you know, he's my endorsed candidate, I fully support him. Donald Trump saying that about David Perdue. It's not really making a difference. And if uh, Donald Trump wants to know what the polls say. The polls say doesn't really matter. In fact, I was with uh, Governor Kemp today in Dawsonville, and I talked to a lot of Republicans who don't want Donald Trump in this race, want him to get out of it, mind his own business, and they believe that it's Donald Trump hurting the Republicans' chances in this race instead of helping to unify them. Yeah, the spin from David Perdue's camp is is this that. Yeah, the numbers aren't good for him, but they're not good for Brian Kemp either. When a sitting governor is in the 40s, I think he was at 43 in this poll, um, you know, this close to an election, it's not a very positive sign for the governor either. Um, and with about 18 or 20 percent of, of the electorate undecided. Um, that being said, David Perdue is the one who's in the 30s. So, you know, you'd rather be Brian Kemp than David Perdue by any stretch of uh, the imagination right now. And Look, again, we mentioned in the beginning, but not only is David Perdue running out of time, early voting starting in less than a month. The election's in less than two months. Two months. So not only is David Perdue running out of time, but he has all these structural advantage, disadvantages working against him right now. Um, Brian Kemp has more money. Um, he has the power of being an incumbent. So that means that he has the all the levers and, and, and benefits that go with that. Um, and then, to me at least, maybe even just as important as the money advantage um, and the outside support that's coming in from the Republican Governors Association and other groups um, is this. He has a 40-day bill signing period that started just a few days ago and coincides with the beginning of early voting where he'll get to go around the state and sign a gun expansion, uh, the transgender legislation that we talked about so much on the last podcast, but also things that are aimed at the middle, like uh, the budget, tax refunds, teacher pay raises, public employee salary raises, all those things that, you know, basically will double as campaign appearances for him. They might not officially be campaign appearances, but when he's signing a bill, when he's signing the gun expansion at a gun range or wherever he decides to sign it in a couple of days, um, you better believe that there'll be an underlying mention of, hey, you know, <laughs> this is, this is, you'll, you'll get more of this if you elect me, Republicans. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it would be one thing if uh, Brian Kemp were at 43%, which is not good. I mean, that is an accurate statement from the Purdue campaign. Uh, no sitting governor wants to be at 43% in their own GOP primary. However, he is at 43% and he has about a 10 to 1 money advantage over, over David Purdue. If that scenario were reversed, if Kemp were at 43 and he had only raised about a million dollars and David Purdue had $10 million and an endorsement from Trump, you could start to see that race get really tight pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, he is coming off um, not just a big kind of fundraising haul. He is coming off just a really successful legislative session. And you and I both talked to Kemp ahead of the legislative session. And so what are what do you have left to do? What are what's your wish list? And it was pretty long. He had multiple uh, very conservative issues. And these, I'm sure, are things that poll extremely well with Republican voters. 
Um, and you and I heard these issues raised again and again on the campaign trail over the last couple of years. Um, and this legislature has given him everything that he wanted. And on the very last day, he also pushed this transgender sports bill. And I asked him today, why was that the bill you pushed? Like, why would you put all your political capital on the transgender sports bill? That seems kind of random. And he said, well, that's the only thing that was left undone. I got everything else done. That's what it had left. And that got done, too. So he's got all of these victories. And then he also has a state legislature that's really supportive of him. Those Republicans, he was with two Republican lawmakers today. Um, and every stop he goes to, he has Republican lawmakers, those state senators, state representatives, with him. And that makes a big difference. And he tells the crowd, listen, I'm not the only Republican on the ballot with a primary. I've got these lawmakers with me. They're on the Republican primary ballot as well. We need to have a strong showing and we need to have a strong showing in May so that we can win in November. You know, it's this group message and it's getting reinforced everywhere he goes. Yeah. To that point, I wrote in the AJC, which you should all subscribe to the other day, that the legislative session might have been just a a, a tantamount to an endorsement from the Republican-held General Assembly. I mean, because you're right. They they, they passed – I can't think of a single major or even minor um, uh, legislative priority of the governors that they didn't pass. I mean, right from the pay raises all the way – down to the very final wire with the passage of the transgender legislation, um, they achieved pretty much all of every single goal of Governor Kemp, which again he'll use on the campaign trail, as you mentioned, um, to the to the fullest effect out there to Republican voters, but also to middle of the road voters, um, especially in the general election campaign. Um, look, the governor, no one, and we are not counting out David Perdue. He's struggling the polls, but you know things can change in Georgia. Um, we know the the power of Donald Trump's endorsement. We're not sure exactly how potent it is, but certainly it still is a, a force to be reckoned with. And we'll see if Donald Trump decides to dip into his war chest of more than $110 million to help out David Perdue, or if David Perdue decides to dip deeper into his own wallet, because we know from his personal financial disclosure, he's worth more than $50 million. So he's got some some money to spare if he believes that he's within striking distance. Um, But I think one of the biggest issues here is it appears that Donald Trump is starting to hedge his bets a little bit on this Purdue bet. Let's, let's listen. But because of Kemp and Mitch McConnell, we lost those two Senate seats and Kemp is a disaster. Now, you know, it's always hard to beat a sitting governor. It is hard, very hard to beat because they have a lot of money behind them. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody's giving them money. Right. But uh, we will see what happens. David Perdue's a good man. He's working hard. Mm-hmm. He's doing it. He doesn't need this. He's a you know successful guy. But he's doing it because he thought it was terrible what happened to me. But what happened to him also? This is from the John Fredericks radio show earlier this week. There's a little bit more. We're behind. You got to face reality. But we need you yeah. in Georgia again. And the press will blame Trump. They won't blame anybody else. So, you know, that's the way it goes. And, you know, it's a very close race. Uh, David's a good man. I hope he's going to win it. And uh, maybe we'll have to do another rally. But uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Not easy to beat a sitting governor. Just remember that. But it's a close race and we'll see what happens. Uh, If David wins, we'll get no credit. If he loses, they'll blame me fully. But that's okay. I'm always prepared for that. Patricia, he is not committing to another rally, which is exactly what David Perdue wants. He, he he would love, I'm sure, another rally in May, right before early voting starts or right before the general election. 
Um, and he's saying it's a shame. <laughs> you know, oh. it's a shame. It's a shame. So you can already see he is, he's not pulling a Mo Brooks here. He's not rescinding his endorsement. He's not looking like he's he's even scaling back his support for 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 David Perdue. But no, but at the same time, he's not committing to giving any more support. And he's he's talking up. Um, he's he's beginning to downplay David Perdue's chances and sort of you know, lower expectations, which is a major development in this race. If 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 Donald Trump does indeed um, wind up, uh, you know, letting letting uh, letting David Perdue's campaign kind of wither on the vine. Well, it has to feel a lot like deja vu for David Perdue and his campaign because it was. Um, Donald Trump's uh, entire message between the general election and the runoffs was about what happened in November. It was about uh, the election was stolen for me. The election was rigged. And he's he talked almost entirely ahead of those runoffs about how the election was rigged and stolen. He didn't talk about he didn't talk a lot about David Perdue. He didn't talk a lot about why David Perdue would be better and would be the best senator. And so now he's continuing to focus on 2020 and say, well, you know, it, the last thing you want with eight weeks left is the guy who got you into this race is saying it's a shame. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't have to be a shame. They could campaign like crazy for the next eight weeks, dump a ton of money into this and make it more interesting. But it has not turned, it is just not given David Perdue, I think both the pop that we expected to see Trump get involved in this race. And it certainly has not filled up his campaign account the way I had expected it to, not just with the large donors, but also the small donors. There, There is not this sort of same frenetic grassroots affection and frenzy for David Perdue the way there typically is for these, uh, Trump candidates who fare well. They start to get national small dollar donors. They really capture headlines. They capture people's attention. But once Donald Trump starts to go soft on somebody, all of Trump nation is going to go soft on him as well. So he needs Donald Trump in this and in this enthusiastically and not saying it's a shame eight weeks ahead of time. Yeah. If anything, we're seeing that grassroots fervor behind Brian Kemp. I mean, you were in Dawsonville. I was in Dahlonega with the governor today. Um, huge, a, a big crowd for a spring break Thursday afternoon at a park in the middle of a small town in North Georgia. Um, and uh, many were not undecided. I interviewed, I don't know, a dozen people. These were not undecided voters. These were committed um, Kemp supporters. And then I talked to the governor about his approach afterwards. Um, he is not resting at all. He is not um, getting sort of lulled by these polls that all show him with double digit leads. He said one of his favorite lines to me, which was, there's two ways to run, unopposed or scared. So he is certainly not taking David Perdue's threat lightly at all. Okay. When we come back from a break, we'll talk about the other big race, the U.S. Senate race. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. 
Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, here with co-host Patricia Murphy, and we are two of the AJC's political insiders and also two of the three authors on The Morning Jolt, which will be in your inboxes by the time you listen to us. And Patricia, I think we at least have uh, a potential items with those visits that we both covered, including some of Governor Kemp's interviews about and his responses to why he decided to support the transgender legislation and why medical marijuana why that legislation was kind of left hanging. It failed. And there are some very upset advocates out there who feel like they were let down by the governor who did not make this one of his priorities. We we said earlier, he passed every one of the items on his agenda. Well, medical marijuana wasn't. And there's a lot of folks who are upset about that. Yeah. And I also talked to Kemp about David Perdue's accusation that um, all of the things that he has gotten done this legislative session, the teacher pay raises, the tax cuts, the tax refunds, all of those, uh, David Perdue says, are election year gimmicks and giveaways. And uh, Governor Kemp did not appreciate that point of view. <laughs> and so I have a response from Governor Kemp on that, and that'll be in tomorrow's jolt, which I think is a must read with this quote in there. People won't, they won't regret their choice to open that up. I will say it's always a must read and it's only available for subscribers to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And if you want to get your newsletter every morning and all of our content, including Atlanta Braves coverage, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts and your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. I mean, I don't know how you can beat that deal unless it's free. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Patricia, let's switch over to the Senate race, where it sure looks like Herschel Walker is on cruise control. His rivals are stepping up their attacks. There have been more damaging reports from the media, including the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and and CNN recently. And he's kind of just chilling. I mean, you know, he's having (laughs) events, but they're very either tightly controlled, their brief speeches at major rallies, like like the Donald Trump rally, um, or uh, they're under the radar, uh, closed door private speeches and fundraisers. Um, And, you know, me and you would love to see him more. We'd love to see him at debates. Uh, But strategically, uh, many Republican operatives who are not aligned with this campaign agree, like, there's... There's no reason when when he's at uh, – in this recent poll we just talked about from Emerson College on the Hill, he's at 58 57%. He's nearing 60%. It is down from some other polls that we've seen that had him as high as 80%. But at the same time, he's never hovered around 50% this entire race. So he's always been well above 50%. And his rivals, they're at either single digits or in some of these polls, barely cracking double digits. So – the question is, can his rivals combine to get to 50% plus to deprive him of that runoff, uh, sorry, of that outright victory? Uh, and it doesn't look like that right now. The trend lines, you know, it might be closer than Herschel Walker wants it to be, but the trend lines are still looking pretty good for him. Yeah. And it almost feels like uh, some of those Senate candidates, the the not Herschel group, need to get out of this race in order to give 
voters a choice between one or the other, um, between Herschel Walker and an alternative to Herschel Walker. But I don't hear Republican voters clamoring for an alternative to Herschel Walker. That's just, I hear some concern. I hear some concern that he has not debated and has no plans to debate um, this primary crowd. They're just worried that that will leave him unprepared to run against Raphael Warnock. So I hear concern, but I don't hear those GOP voters looking for an alternative. And um, Martha Zoller said this in your uh, story today, and I agree. She said, Herschel Walker has nowhere to go but down. So why would he change anything he's doing? Now, the other candidates are doing their best to become that alternative to Herschel Walker. Latham Sadler has a new out, new ad out this week that ran on Fox News. Um, that I think was a strong ad. And it said, this is not a game. And uh, putting forward his own role as a former Navy SEAL, his own expertise in national security. But I don't hear Republican voters saying, I just wish I had an alternative who was an expert in national security (laughs) to Herschel Walker. They just love him. They feel like they know Herschel Walker. He has been a childhood hero to people who weren't even born when he was, you know, making touchdowns for the University of Georgia. He has this level of celebrity. I don't know, scoring touchdowns. making plays for for the University of Georgia. These voters just feel like they know him and it has an appeal that is not political. And that is a very dangerous X factor for other campaigns to try and compete with. And if I were in the Democratic camp, the Democrats feel like they have they're going to have a lot to work with with Herschel Walker. He's got a lot in his background that is extremely problematic. However, these GOP voters know about that. And they don't care. Yeah. They feel like they know him and trust him. Yeah. Um, in in that same story, look, we, we we quote a lot of Herschel Walker supporters who say that. You know, they, they've they've heard about his past. Um, look, there's clearly still millions of people who don't know. You know, in Georgia, who who haven't been exposed to everything that that me and you have been writing about and talking about, and they will. You know, if he's the nominee, Democrats will spend a lot of money airing those ads um, and 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 highlighting. Um, parts of his history and his past, but you know, some the, the broader outlines are known to a lot of Republican voters, and frankly, you know, I, I quote this, but one of uh, one of Walker's top advisors, they pulled all these Republican hits against him and found, at least in their estimation, that nothing was fatal. You know, it did drag his numbers down, but nothing was like a sort of a deal breaker for Herschel Walker. Again, this all remains to be seen, um, but what we do know is that. Herschel Walker is a different sort of candidate than than we're all used to in Georgia because of that celebrity factor. And I've been to events, including the Donald Trump rally, where I saw people like almost inflict physical harm on themselves trying to get selfies with Herschel Walker, like jumping over metal barricades and rushing after him and tripping over themselves um, to get a picture with the former football star because his name is synonymous with UGA and UGA football and just being, you know, athletic uh, a champion. And um, we just don't know how that will play in a general election. But we already are seeing how strong it is in a primary because he's been as high as 80 percent. And, you know, I guess his low water mark right now is 58 percent. And you'd still take that any day of the week. Yeah. And his message, I think, has also been designed to have a broad appeal. And he doesn't need to because he's not taking these other candidates very seriously. He has not needed to wade into controversial polarizing waters. So all of these UGA fans who feel like they know him and love him, he has not been forced to say anything that they really disagree with or have a problem with. He has not. He did not get out there during the Donald Trump rally 
and talk about 2020 and talk about the stolen election. Now, he has a Twitter feed that has plenty of that in there if people want to go digging around for it. But he is is having a very kind of uplifting set. People describe him to me, voters describe him to me as a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. They're like He motivates people. That is just a verb you do not hear in a political context. And so it is, it's just really successful for him right now. I talked to uh, Kemp voters who are super mad at Trump, very angry with David Perdue and love Herschel Walker, have no problem voting for him. So they're excited about him. And um, if he continues on this path, uh, there will be a lot of fire for him to have to deal with. But right now he is, as you said, just kind of in cruise control. Yeah. And let's be clear too. I mean, we, we've talked on the show weeks, months ago, how many of his opponents were kind of you know, tiptoeing around Herschel Walker, many of the Republican opponents. They're not anymore. Gary Black was the first out the gate to attack Herschel Walker saying that he has too much baggage to be electable. Um, but Latham Sadler, Kelvin King, even former state rep Josh Clark, probably the least known of, of anyone because he got in the race so late. Um, they've all been saying this should not be a coronation of Herschel Walker, that there should be a, a thoughtful review of his past record and warning left and right that, hey, if Herschel Walker is the candidate, you know, he he'll either they're saying he's going to lose. Gary Black says he'll flat out that he'll lose to to Raphael Warnock, or they're warning that Democrats could have a much better shot if someone like Herschel Walker is the contender. So, a lot going on in that Senate race, and we'll continue to develop. But Patricia, now I want to get to one of our favorite segments of the show: the reader mailbag. Oh, excellent! And boy, do we have a good one! Uh, and and I hope I don't pronounce her name wrong, but this is from Janella. Bryce Schoenfeld from Peach County. And Janella asks, how has social media changed your job? Patricia, how about you take that one first? I mean, listen, Janella, social media is the best of times and the worst of times for a reporter. And that's just the truth. I mean, it helps us a lot to know, um, frankly, where these candidates are when they're not telling us. We've learned quite a bit about Herschel Walker's comings and goings just from his Twitter feed and from other people's social media posts. Um, It helps us sort of have extra eyes and ears. Uh, We also know from candidates what they're proactive messages. And then we know um, people who are following them. Uh, We see what other reporters are writing about them. So it's a very helpful um, medium in that way. I I really appreciate social media in that way. Um, The the worst of times part is that it's just incredibly unpleasant. I, I think of it as a really a really bad neighborhood to be in Twitter. Um, but it is very helpful. And and I find it, um, I find it useful to see kind of what subjects people care about on Twitter. It's not the real world. Um, and I do find it a, a good source of gathering information. But as far as poll testing issues, I, I do not value Twitter's feedback for that. <laughs> yeah, I, Janella, I feel the same way. It's kind of like a necessary evil. As a, you know, a modern day reporter, you have to use it. Um, it is it is a a necessary tool for just about every I mean unless you're yeah just about every major media outlet and and and, and journalists covering a you know an important beat or a daily beat it, it's it's hard to imagine um, covering a beat without without relying on Twitter or without without posting your stories on Twitter because it's also a very valuable way to to uh, promote your content and say hey I wrote this big story I spent two weeks on. I hope someone reads it, you know, beyond just trying to find it in the homepage or the print section. But at the same time, 
Um, it has changed our discourse and it sped up everything. You know, we are, we gone are the days of 6 p.m. deadlines and all that stuff where we've been in the 24 news cycle, 24 hour news cycle for a very long time now, but um, it feels like it sped up that news cycle even more. And um, there are certainly instances where it's like, you know, the, the things were happening at the, at the, you know, uh, microseconds, right? I mean, nanoseconds almost. And you've got to be on it and show that, hey, you're all over the story and that you're going to write about it at AJC, but also, um, you know, add some insight and context. And, and just this past week, it's funny because on Monday, you know, I tweeted the sense that I was hearing from Republicans in the state legislature that the transgender legislation was going kaput and things change. And, you know, it's, Twitter used to be just an outlet for reporters like me and you to you know, offer some random insights. But then, then again, some people see it as news and breaking news as well. So um, we're still trying to navigate Twitter. And then we haven't even talked about Facebook or Snapchat or TikTok. Uh, Patricia has a very vibrant TikTok channel. You should all check out. She's all over it. Um, and Instagram and all the other It's ways. my happy place. I, I just can't lie about that. <laughs> well, Janella, Bryce, Schoenfeld, thank you so much for your great question. And then again, folks, feel free to email your questions to Patricia Murphy, patricia.murphy at ajc.com, jblack, j.black at ajc.com. And if you really want to, me as well, gbrewstein <laughs> at ajc.com. Yes, let's don't forget your email address. Um, who is up and who is down? Patricia, I went first last time. Uh, we might have the same who's up, but go for it if, if you have any great thoughts about who was the winner of this week in Georgia politics. Okay. My who's up is not limited to Georgia politics. My who's up is Katanji Brown Jackson yeah. for being uh, confirmed to the United States Supreme Court um, in an extremely polarized Washington, uh, managed to get even a few Republican votes as well. And she'll really make history. And I'll be really interested to see how a woman with her background as a public defender um, uh, navigates these waters. I think it's a voice that has been really missing. And I'll be, uh, I think it will provide for kind of a more robust view inside the court. And I'll uh, really be watching that uh, closely. So that's my winner this week. Mine is Governor Brian Kemp. Um, you know, things life comes at you fast and who knows what next week will bring. But this week was a good one for him. He won every significant piece of legislation on his agenda. He says every single piece overall, even some of the minor ones. Um, and he's up in the latest poll and the first major poll after the Trump rally. Um, so he's up by double digits. This is not a small lead. It's, it's a, a, a about 11 point lead. So, um, things are looking positive for him. He's drawing decent size to large size crowds at his rallies around the state. And he's back on the campaign trail, which is, you know, uh, just like TikTok is your happy place. The campaign trail is Brian Kemp's <laughs> happy place. But who is your, who's, who's down for you in Georgia politics this week? My down is David Perdue. Um, although I, always want to stress that he is running a different campaign this time. He is um, doing his events publicly. He is talking to the press a lot. I think it's a better campaign as a result of that. Um, however, I think that when Donald Trump continues to downplay his chances and when the first public poll comes out following that big Trump rally and it shows he really didn't get a bump out of that, he needed a bump out of that rally. And so that's why that's why he is my who's down this week. I'm going to go with who's down Georgia Democrats. Um, 
they always knew this would be a tough week going into the final day of the legislative session. And all they can really do is play defense. But they watched as a number of issues that they have fought tooth and nail gain final passage and are now set to be Georgia law. And we've talked a lot about transgender legislation that um, they were unable to stop it. This isn't a, a blame game at all, right? There was no way they could have stopped it. Um, you know, they tried all sorts of delaying tactics. In, well, not even delaying tactics, just transparency tactics. Um, you know, you had the Senate Minority Leader, Gloria Butler, ask that the legislation that they were about to vote on be printed because no one had seen it yet. We talked extensively about that in the podcast earlier this week. So if you want to run down, just listen to that. But um, despite everything they tried, um, a number of uh, conservative pieces of legislation that were once deemed unpassable in Georgia, um, the permitless carry bill and the transgender measure were both, you know, four or five years ago, kind of unthinkable. Nathan Deal didn't want to touch them. Even Brian Kemp, when he was elected, didn't devote any capital b- b- behind either of those measures. And now they're both set to be laws. So, um, so you know, it was a rough week for Democrats. But at the same time, now we'll see if they can translate those defeats at the Georgia General Assembly into votes in November. Okay. Well, we're – oh, Jay – Hang on, I, I have oh. a, I have a, I have a who's Uh-oh. up and who's down. Uh, if that's okay, Mr. Speaker, I would like the floor. <laughs> I, I will yield the well. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> who's up this week is Greg Bluestein. Who's down is all the little people at the Atlanta Journal Constitution who wanted to win the four tickets to opening day, and somehow Greg wins the drawing. It's rigged. I it tell rigged. you, it's rigged. Fake news. Fake I did news. joke on Twitter. It was rigged. <laughs> I had no role. I just, I actually saw it from a Patricia Murphy email. Saying congratulations <laughs> or something like that. I can't believe you I don't think it. I, I said, oh, of course you would win it. <laughs> I had the same reaction and there was a little more profanity in there. But Did you I put your name reaction. in there, Jay? Well, no, I'm actually going as a reporter. But, but So there you go. For the, oh, for the, for the Braves Report podcast, but yes. Wait, while we're talking about sports, I just want to say you can make a touchdown. You guys are acting like you can't, like Herschel Walker couldn't make touchdowns. You can make a touchdown. Well, you score them. Well, but you can also can't you make a touchdown? Uh, Doesn't that happen? Uh, yes, it's yes, it's one cup of um, <laughs> running back. It's, it's uh, two pints of a quarterback, and it's five pints of an offensive line. Okay, fine. You mix well. Um, but for the record, uh, I'm taking my daughter. She, I, I'd emailed uh, both Patricia and another one of our colleagues, who's a huge Braves fan, saying like, "Hey, if if I can swing it, you, can you guys come and wipe before?" Would you guys be able to come? And before I could even get home, like before I even got home, because I called my kiddo, um, I'm home with my uh, eight-year-old while my wife and my other kid are uh, out of town. And she had already, um, whatever, they Facebook message, I don't even know how she did, but she had already looped in one of her best friends. And so we're going with her friend Kara and her dad. It's going to be great. Yes, so I said, I said, Greg, that would be so much fun. I'm so excited. He's like, up. Oh. Never mind. My daughter already <laughs> stepped in, which is a lesson that I needed to learn. Uh, hey, before we're out, don't forget, please give us the rating you think we deserve, which of course is five stars, on Apple or Spotify so we can grow this show. And we will see you Wednesday on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. 
Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.